Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. He was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about this vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. May God add a blessing to this reading of the text and cause it to be the inspired word for us today. So here's a question. Do you prefer the human Jesus or the deified, glorified Jesus? Like the the pre-Easter Jesus who, you know, was a carpenter, uh, a preacher on the streets, rabbi, prophet, if you will, going around uh, confronting the Roman domination system and the Jewish aristocracy and the, the broken temple system of his time. Or do you prefer the, the Jesus, the risen Lord, the Christus Victor over the cross who, has, uh, uh, who, who lives and breathes in us today, who is uh, doing a mighty work, who is our source of salvation and uh, preparing a place for us uh, when we go, who is with us even unto the end of the age. Do, do, which do we like better, the human, the human Jesus or the deified, glorified Jesus? It's rhetorical, you don't have to answer. <laughs> but I, what I love about our text today is we kind of get both. Uh, Jesus, in the middle of his ministry, uh, in, in fact, in, in some of the Gospels, right in the middle uh, of Jesus' ministry, stops and he grabs three of his buddies, uh, Peter, James, and John. They always get select, they always get called out to go do the fun stuff. Uh, I don't know if Jesus plays favorites, but uh, it seems like Peter, James, and John, they always get in on the, on the really good stuff. So... Uh, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. They go up a mountain. Uh, why do they go up a mountain? As we've said earlier in talking about Matthew, anything of significance seems to happen on the mountaintop in, uh, in Matthew's gospel. It's part of Matthew trying to emphasize that Jesus is the new Moses who receives the law from the mountaintop. And uh, all, the, all the really cool things seem to happen up on the mountaintop in Matthew in order to point us to Jesus as Christ and uh, the significance of Jesus' ministry. So they go up the mountain, and while they're there, ragged old carpenter, street preacher, poor 
beat-up feet, ugly clothes, scraggly beard Jesus is transformed into the glorified Christ. Glowing, beautiful, linen you know, thing going on. Maybe that blue sash that we always see in pictures, right? <laughs> that, that Jesus is always wearing. Glowing halo type stuff behind his head. Uh, wow, you know, this is a whole different Jesus than I knew. And in addition to that, he, uh, Moses and Elijah appear there with Jesus. Now, there have been thousands of years of commentators trying to figure out what this is all about, what the significance is. Clearly, it's some kind of, you know, uh, preview of the resurrection. We get a little, we get a little hint toward the resurrection. And I think this is really, uh, you know, within the story, it's to kind of help the disciples along because they're not the brightest brunch in the world, and they seem to be missing out on who Jesus really is. In fact, especially in Mark, if you go back to Mark, people, they're, they're continually perplexed by who is this Jesus. It seems like the only people that know who Jesus is are foreigners and demons. Uh, they all know who Jesus is, but the disciples, they're a little bum-fuzzled. Uh, they're kind of like, I don't know, you know, could it be this, could it be that? And so this, this little preview that James, Peter, and John get it is, a, is a little preview of the resurrection. It makes them go, wait a minute, Jesus is more than just a carpenter <laughs> and a street preacher. Something else is going on here. Clearly that's, that's part of it, but then we got this Elijah and Moses business uh, some, some scholars like to point out that uh, Elijah was, didn't die, but was taken to heaven, was translated, is the technical word for it, was translated to heaven uh, in, on a fiery chariot. And there's an extra biblical uh, kind of fable or story about Moses also not dying, but being translated into, into heaven as well, and so the Jesus's all the all the people in Jesus's time would have had that story kind of in their repertoire and understanding of Moses. So here were two people that were not that didn't die, but were translated to heaven. So maybe that's why they're the obvious choice. The other things that scholars like to point talk about are is the fact that Moses represents the law, and Elijah represents the the prophets. And so here in Jesus. Uh, we see the culmination and the coming together of the prophets and the law, kind of the fulfillment of all of that. Here is Jesus kind of bringing all of that together and, and bringing in significance about that. Uh, there's a notion of Jesus as, again, the new Moses receiving new laws or translating new laws, Sermon on the Mound, keep in mind, some of those kinds of things. There's a lot. You could read. You could spend the next 10 years reading about this and... and uh, there's a lot of things going on here, and it is a bit of a mystery as to what, and, and each, each um, gospel is kind of getting at a different thing too. It's a little bit different in Mark than it is in Luke and than it is in Matthew. But there's a lot going on here, but su- suffice it to say, here we have a glimpse of the glorified, the deified Christ in front of us. And my fascination today is with the reaction that comes from Peter, James, and John when they see this. They see Jesus trans, uh, transfigured uh, before them. The, the Greek word, which also I should point out is metamorpho, is used here. So it's, a, it's, like, it's like a caterpillar to a butterfly. 
metamorphosis. That's how different, you know, they want us to, they want to tell us Jesus looked. It was like a complete metamorphosis into something completely different. And so there is this metamorphized Jesus in front of them. And then appears Elijah and Moses. And what Peter wants to do is to build a little shelter for each of them. Really a shrine. That's what Peter wants to do. I want to make a shrine like the, the you know, like those, the ones that we, they put the statues of Buddha in or the Parthenon or something like that, like they had over in Athens. Let's put a, let's put a shrine up on this mountain with Jesus, Elijah, and Moses. And I don't know what he was picturing. Maybe people would come up and, and do their prayers and they would leave offerings or, uh, and things like that and then go back down the mountain. Maybe Peter would charge a fee, I don't know, you know, make a little money on the side. Or maybe it was Peter just wanted to keep them there for themselves, not tell anybody. And we'll just stay here, all bask in the glow, and we'll just enjoy being here together in the presence of the glorified Christ and, and Moses and Elijah, the two great patriarchs. Uh, that's what Peter wants to do. Well, this prompts a voice from the heavens that says, wait a minute, this is my son. My beloved. My son that I love. In whom I am well pleased. He's doing everything right. Listen to him. I think the implication here is somehow Peter, James, and John and the other disciples were missing something. (laughs) And not listening. And, of course, this voice prompts them to... I should point out also, this is the exact same declaration that came from a voice in a cloud at Jesus' baptism. Same, same phrase and everything. And so it's kind of a reiteration of Jesus' baptism. as You know, a reiteration, reaffirming Jesus is God's Son. But there's this, this listen to Him thing. And then... The disciples fall to their face and Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is transformed back into old carpenter, sore feet, you know, a cut on his hand from, from his hammer and maybe a scratch on his face and, and looking all scraggly and he reaches over and he says, come on guys, let's go, <laughs> let's go back down the hill. <laughs> it's time to go. And so then they get up and Jesus says, I don't want you, don't tell anybody about this. This is, uh, Jesus seems a little shy about revealing too much about himself to the general population. We call this the messianic secret is the technical theological word for it. There's this, this sense of we, they want to keep it a secret for a while, who Jesus is and all of these kinds of things. Uh, it might be that Jesus was scared that Peter, James, and John would get it wrong <laughs> and go around telling people stuff that didn't quite add up. And uh, Jesus didn't want to have to go keep explaining it or something like that. So we're faced with these two. And, uh, and here is the deified Christ. And Peter, James, and John, they want to basically turn that Jesus into an idol. An idol to be, to be worshipped, to be, uh, to be uh, uh, revered and adored and give adoration to. 
but not something that was really doing anything. Just sit here in this shelter, Lord, and we'll come to you. We'll come, we'll bring you some, you know, we'll bring you hummus and pita offerings or something like that, and we'll, you know, we'll just honor you in our own little way. And it puts, puts Jesus in this far-off, distant realm. And, you know, the, the most troublesome thing about this idea of, of lifting Jesus uh, too high, of, of focusing on the deified, glorified Jesus of the resurrection, the, the obstacle there, the, the, the problem that can arise out of that is that it, give, it means that we are off the hook. It kind of gives us permission to step back and go, well, sure, Jesus did that. But look, look at Jesus. Deified, glorified, Son of God, mighty God, Counselor, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Of course, Jesus can do great things. Of course, Jesus can face down tyranny. Of course, Jesus can rise up against the the domination system of the time. Of course, Jesus can lift up the poor and the lowly and heal the sick and visit the, visit the prisoners and, and make the blind see and the deaf hear. Of course, that's Jesus. Jesus is the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Most High God. Easy for Jesus. The, the problem with that is, Jesus, all along, every time, all the way along, is saying, you do it. <laughs> the stuff I'm doing, I want you to do it. Jesus stripped down and washed the disciples' feet and then said, this is what I want you to do. Jesus was followed by the crowds that he'd been healing and the disciples said, hey, everyone looks a little hungry. And Jesus said, then feed them. (laughs) You feed them. And they said, oh, you don't know what to do. And so Jesus had to do it. But he's showing them, this is what I want you to do. Jesus even commissioned them and said, look, I want you to go. I'm, I'm so full up on this casting out demons and healing people. I want you to get out there and cast out demons and heal people. And so their disciples go out and try and do it. And they couldn't do it. And some people came to Jesus and said, hey, your disciples aren't very good. They, <laughs> they weren't able to do it. And Jesus says, oh. And so he heals them too. And the disciples come and say, what, why couldn't we do it, Lord? And Jesus said, because you don't have enough faith. And because you're not listening to me. There's nothing I'm doing that I don't expect you to do too. And when we put Jesus way up on a pedestal, we push Jesus too far off into heaven, when we make Jesus so high above us, that anything Jesus does is so miraculously and, uh, miraculous and unattainable, a very convenient excuse for us not to do it. Oh sure, love your neighbor, easy for Jesus to say. <laughs> oh sure, feed the sick, or take care of the sick, easy for you, son of God. Jesus has called us and equipped us and given us every tool we need. Holy Spirit that lives and dwells within each of us that same Holy Spirit that was at work in Jesus when Jesus was going around doing all these things that we think we can't do. That Jesus said, you go do this. <laughs> and in John, in fact, Jesus says, you're going to do the, this, the things I'm doing, and even more. 
could be even more impressive. But the only way we get there, the only way we find our, our, our grip, the only way we uh, attain the capacity to imagine ourselves doing the things that Jesus do, does and did, To recognize that Jesus was not just the deified, glorified Christ. Not just something that we come in here on Sunday morning and worship. While this little mountaintop experience we have each Sunday, man, I crave it, I need it, I love it. I am so blessed at the end of every church service. I just walk away. I'm walking on air. I love it. I, I, you know, I don't know why more people aren't here. I, I long for this. Every week. It's great to be here with you and to have this opportunity when Jesus shines right in front of us and we see the glory of God here among us together. This mountaintop experience in this beautiful sanctuary happens every week and it's a blessing. And so, yes, glorified Christus Victor, deified Christ, let's worship that Christ. And yet, as we go out that door, Jesus is walking along with us, tattered and torn, sore feet, runny nose from a cold he got from Andrew, and, <laughs> you know, out there to get the work done, to do the things that transform the world, that change the way things are now into the way, things ought, the way they ought to be. Jesus left us a mighty work, and... Thank God Jesus didn't just leave us on our own, but Jesus goes with us in the form of the Holy Spirit, amen, within us and works through us. And thank God we don't have to do it alone. It's not all Vicky, right? It's not all Vicky doing the work. She'd get worn out quick. Uh, we need to jump in with Vicky <laughs> and help her out. And we all get to one sows, another one waters, another one cultivates, another one reaps. We all work together to build the body of Christ. And I'm going to leave it there. Loving and gracious God, thank you so much for this vision we have of Jesus in his fullness. Jesus glorified, a picture of the post-resurrection Jesus, but also Jesus who did ministry, did hands-on ministry that, tra that changed people's lives, that touched people at their very core, that healed the sick and took care of the hungry and lifted up the lowly. That same task that is ours today, that Jesus is still doing through all of us. Empower us, uh, convict us, inspire us, and lead us into, the, into a new day. We ask all this in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus.